This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 39. Kyle Hendricks returns. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or email us, flythew670gmail.com. All right, Crowley, the Cubs are taking on the Mets. Game one, Drew Smiley was on the hill for our Cubbies. Yeah, you know, it is. it was um, it, it, super exciting as far as everything that's been going on lately. There's been a lot of action. We have a lot to talk about. And I am happy to say our predictions, Dustin, from the last episode, way wrong. So, hey, you know what? Cheers to that. <laughs> I have no problem being wrong. We know that we had uh, game one coming in here. And, I, am, I mean, I'm so jacked up right now. The professor is back. I mean, we, we're going to talk about it, but... How can you not be excited for Kyle Hendricks to return? As I uh, saw David Ross say, it feels like things are back to normal. Yeah, it, it's going to be so huge. But to, uh, the other night, Tuesday night, it was Drew Smiley versus Tyler McGill. We give the pitching probables. That doesn't mean they don't get switched, and that's what happened. It was supposed to be Kodai Senga against Smiley. And I thought so. I yeah. thought that's what was. I thought that's what we had said. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what they're doing, and, and this is smart because Japanese pitchers don't throw as much as pitchers in the United States, so they keep kind of giving them extra rest wherever they can. So I don't know if the other pitchers like it that much, but as far as injury-wise, it's a smart plan. But uh, either way, Tyler Meagle's the one that really suffered here. He loses seven to two on. Grateful Dead Night for all the podcasters right here. Yeah, but Crowley, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I saw you complaining on social media, not enough Grateful Dead music, or or was there any Grateful Dead music? They finally get it going? I I, I put a letter in complaining. I I had a couple things, but yeah. So I'm dressed up. I got my Grateful Dead Cubs shirt on. I got my Grateful Dead hat hat on. I am pumped up. And at the end of the day, two songs, one in the fifth and I think one in the seventh. I'm like, come on. that's uh, The answer I got was it was a Grateful Dead event, which is why we got these bobbleheads. I got four more. I got all the colors, which are cool, but in a very nice bobblehead, actually good quality. But no music, no graphics, nothing. I mean, let's get excited. Let's play some music. Let's have some fun. It was yeah. just a regular old game with a bobblehead. I mean, it wasn't anything special. But at least for Cub fans, it was special because Drew Smiley once again gives the Cubs an opportunity to win every time out. He went five innings pitch, gave up four runs, uh, two walks, and five Ks. He gave up a monster solo home run to Pete Alonso, but that's what the polar bear does, right? He yeah. uh, launched that one. Now, you were at that game, correct? Obviously, yeah. Crowley. Did you see any thrusting from the polar bear? I uh, not from where I was, and then I okay. and I was I was trying to see if I can watch the ball land. So maybe. All right. Well, maybe they were I, down at the time. They they're 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 like celebration is a is a pelvic thrusting, if you will. Um, yeah, so I was wondering go. if you I was wondering if you saw any of that. 
No, I didn't. But, you know, those five innings, you know, other than that, that was really kind of the only blemish. He did run into a, some trouble in the sixth when he gave up two walks to lead off the inning. And, and then he ended up loading the bases and Ross comes and takes him out. No outs in the sixth. It wasn't the best outing from Smiley, but, but still really, really good. And over his last 19 starts with the Cubs dating back to last season, he is 9-3 and three with a 263 ERA and 94 Ks and 102 innings pitch. His That's pretty good. Yeah, his 213 ERA since April 10th in Major League Baseball is one of the best right now. So minimum nine starts. So with that start, he moved past Greg Maddox and Jake Arrieta with 11 consecutive starts at Wrigley Field, allowing two or fewer runs. That ties him with John Lester. Next up on the list to try to catch his teammate going tonight, Kyle Hendricks had 13 starts with two or fewer runs. But anytime you're in the conversation with Greg Maddox, Jake Arietta, and John Lester, that's that's a good thing. Absolutely. That's good company to be a part of. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not the best outing, as you said, but uh, as you started saying at the top, Crowley, what Drew Smiley does is he always gives the Cubs offense a chance to compete. Right. Now, this is where we got a little bit nervous because he leaves with the bases loaded. And you know me, I have been pounding the drum for Jeremiah Estrada. Give he's your him, guy. Yep. Give him a high leverage situation. Well, there's no more high leverage situation nope. than clinging to a lead with the bases loaded, no outs, and being asked to come into the game at the heart of the order, Dustin. First batter he has to face, how about Pete Alonzo, who had previously homered? Well, what does Estrada do? He gets Alonzo to ground to third, which scores a run. He gets pinch hitter and former Cub big boy Dan Vogelbach to line out. And then he gets Starling Marte to ground out, ending the threat, right? Bases loaded, no outs, clinging to a lead, and he gives up one run. How about that? That was a great, great outing. Made David Ross look really smart, no doubt about it. Yeah, if David Ross would listen to me, he'd look smarter. And so uh, Merriweather looked up okay. He gave up two hits, but he also struck out two and two-thirds of an inning. And Mark Leiter continues to dominate. He went an inning and a third of hitless ball with two Ks. And even Michael Fulmer looked okay, finishing up in the ninth. Leiter leads all Cubs relievers with 30 Ks, and he's just looking great. Yeah, he's looking really, really special. He's definitely uh, even more than the Cubs could have expected, I believe. Right, and so there are three guys on the offensive side that I do want to talk about in this win here. And that the first is Seiya Suzuki. He hit a solo home run in the second to start off the scoring and pull the Cubs within two to one. In the last 12 games, Suzuki slashing 387, 455, 892. So still hot. Second, Matt Mervis. He had a tough road trip, no doubt about it, but he had his best game as a major leaguer. In the same inning that Seiya hit his home run, Jan Gomes was at first base, and Matt Mervis hit his first home run in what will hopefully be many at Wrigley Field to put the Cubs in front. Then in the fourth, Mike Talkman reaches on a horrible fielding error by left fielder Tommy Pham, popped out of his glove, and after Wisdom and Gomes struck out, Mervis had a two-out single, hustling all the way that scored Talkman to make it 5-1. to one. He runs to second. The ball was caught off by the catcher who threw it to second, and Mervis was called out. He shakes his head. He's not moving. Tells Ross to challenge it, and the call's overturned. That would lead to Mervis scoring on a single by Dansby Swanson 
to make it five to one. Mervis would finish the day two for three, two hits with a home run and a walk. Very good to see, Dustin. It was excellent because I understand uh, if you were uh, losing a little faith in him, wondering if he needed a couple of uh, days off, not saying they should have sent him down or anything like that, but maybe he needed to watch Trey Mancini potentially, and it looks like he's uh, coming out of it a little bit. This is going to be a thing, and I think David Ross mentioned it here, is this kid's going to get a chance. He's going to get every opportunity. I don't think it's going to be a week or even two weeks of slumping. They're going to see what they have in this kid. And so I don't think they're going to go quick to Trey Mancini. Obviously, if matchups look really bad and Mervis is struggling, then sure, they're going to do that. But uh, this is his job right now, and this is his to take, and he's got to do it. Finally, though, Christopher Morrell. One for three with a walk and a home run. That was Morrell's ninth (laughs) home run in 12 games. He's the first Cubs player since Sammy Sosa to homer in five consecutive games. I didn't see that stat right away. After he hit the home run, I tweeted out, I have not seen anything like this since 1998 with Sammy Sosa, just the way that he's just popping them out here. But when you look at what Morrell's done, he's the fourth player since 1901. I know you love that date. Nine or more home runs in the first 12 games of a season. Larry Walker did it in 1997. Luis Gonzalez did it as well. And then all-time Cub killer Mike Schmidt hit 11 in his first 12 games of the 1976 season. I looked back. It wasn't all versus the Cubs. But this has been super impressive to me, Dustin. Yeah, that was a funny tweet you had about asking if Mike Schmidt did all that damage <laughs> versus the Cubs. You had me you had me laughing. Yeah, I mean it, it's like he's hitting he's hitting the ball with a tennis racket while everybody else has to use a bat. He just can't miss. When he connects, it's like boom, where the power comes from, I don't know. And and let me say one other thing, and, and this reminds me a lot he reminds me sometimes a lot of Javi Baez. One thing that I loved was in that same game, and no one's gonna talk about this, they're gonna talk about the home run, but he drew a walk. Okay, and once he did that, he advanced to second on a soft grounder to first. He made it to third on a pass ball on Gary Sanchez, and he scored on a single by Jan Gomes. Loved the home runs, but would also see love to see more of that from Morrell. Walking, getting on the base, being a disruptor. Right, because I think David Ross said that uh, he is a man in scoring position from the time he steps up into the batter's box. Right, I think he makes... Uh, the opposing team's defense and pitcher is very similar to Yachty, very nervous. You know what I mean? They're thinking about him. They're not focusing on the batter. And, and, and he just makes things – he's one of those guys that somehow just makes things happen when he's yep. on base. Absolutely right. No doubt about it. Great, great opening game win for the Cubs. Loved loved that game. Yep. And, and game two was a great, great matchup, pitching matchup. I was tempted – but I was so tired. I was tempted to try to get to this game. Marcus Stroman versus Kodai Senga. Revenge for Marcus and Kodai, what could have been with the Cubs. And the Cubs take this one, 4-2. to to Far and away, the best game for Marcus in a Cubs uniform. He went eight innings pitch, gave up two runs on four hits, two walks, three Ks. His ninth quality start, which leads the major leagues. And the 14th time in his last 18th outing that he's given up two or fewer runs absolutely ace material dustin yep he's looking like it he uh walked the he uh talked the talk walked the walk we said last week's podcast that he was going to be fired up to face his old mates and boy was he fired up to face his old mates 
He gave up a two-run homer to Francisco Alvarez, but other than that, he was dominant. And not only that, Dustin, he was efficient. In five out of the eight innings he pitched, he threw 10 or fewer pitches. I was glad I wasn't at the game. I wouldn't be able to get a beer or pee without missing some of the game, man. It was, it was so fast. The innings were just Super flying. fast. Yep, super fast. Yep. And how about the 17 ground balls he induced, right? 17 of the 24 outs. That is vintage Stroman. The sinker was sinking. The, and not only that, Stroh puts on a clinic defensively in the sixth. Yes, he the, does. Yes, he does. You know, people forget that he he was an infielder at Duke. Uh, he played second and short. In the sixth, with a runner on first, Stroman got Brandon Nimmo to ground back to him, and he perfectly leads Dansby to second base, who completed the double play. And then in the seventh, Brett Bat- Batty hits a chopper to the third base side. Stroh pounces like a cat off the mound. He makes a jump throw to first to get the out. I got to say, out of all the, I've seen a lot of pitchers in my lifetime. The only person I can kind of think about that compares would be Greg Maddox, who went on to collect 18 gold gloves, six of those with the Cubs. And it, it to me, just to see him make those plays, it's weird because you look at guys, these pitchers, and, and they sit there and they can hit a corner at 98 miles per hour. They can put a slider where they want it. But sometimes throwing to first or even throwing to second to start a double play, they don't look as confident. With Stro, it just looks like smooth as butter, man, just unreal. Yep, he is really slick with the glove, and uh, the defense behind him was playing really good as well. Yeah, and, and that, that's everything that the Cubs imagined when they built this team was run prevention. And you got to see that with Stroh and, and just how much fun the infielders and outfielders. The game's moving. Nobody wants to sit around. Nobody wants, you know, It was just fast, and he was flying. He was going right at him. Here, hit the ball. Hit the ball. We'll catch it. We'll throw you out. No problem. Ye- now, as good as Stroh was, I'm going to say offensively it was a mixed bag. Some good, some Mixed bad. bag for sure. I mean, left way too many guys on base. Runners in scoring position is still an issue. He, he David Ross, tried to sell us a bag of uh, BS that uh, the reason Master Bodie was in the game and batting second was because of his good plate appearances. Now, it makes sense with all the ground balls that uh, Stroman induces that you would play him at third instead of Patrick Wisdom. But he doesn't need to bat second, Crawley. There's no reason that Miles Mastroboni needs to bat five times in a game. <laughs> that None. Goes against, again, it goes against what most people would think, and, and I would love to really talk to, get serious. You know what I mean? You know sometimes in those pressers afterwards, they, they feed you, like you said, a bunch of bull. Was there some sort of data that said, you know, maybe Mastroboni? Well, none of them, none really of them have faced, none of them have faced Senga. Right? There's no, no there's but, no history there. No, That's why I asked no. you in our in our off the in our chats together in our text stream, you know, okay, where can we look to see about these former matchups? Come on, give me a break. There was nothing there. Nothing. What you could what you would possibly and I'm just I'm just spitballing here, what you could potentially look at is you can take a look at where is Kodai Senga, you know, where does he throw most of his pitches and who who's strong. He's got that sinker fork the ghost fork ball. Maybe Master Buani is that's just his hot zone in the real you know, the lower ends of the plate. Maybe he's really good <laughs> in ground balls. I don't know, man. I'm digging here. I'm maybe, trying. maybe, maybe. Yeah, you're trying. He why hey. Tell us you're playing the guy because you want the best defense you can get out there. I can buy that, but don't bat him second. I would have been okay. You could have had him bat seventh or eighth. Right. It, it was it was a definitely curious for sure. And you know the Cubs are down two nothing, and and you're a little bit nervous there. But especially looking at the lineup that Ross rolled out there that you were talking about, 
but uh, they scored. They came right back down, you know, with doubles by Dansby Swanson and then Seiya Suzuki, and they took the lead on a single by Mike Talkman to give the Cubs a 3-2 lead, and Nico Hormer in the sixth to make it a 4-2 game. But like you talked about, Dustin, two for 11 with runners in scoring position. They left 10. 10! 10 guys left on base. Come on, man. Give Stroman some uh, more crooked numbers. Right. And because he pitched so well, he went eight innings, right? But what we've seen this season, when you leave those runners on base, now you got close games, and that puts a tremendous amount of stress on a bullpen that's already leaky. Okay, so Mark Leiter pitches the ninth. He closes it out easily to pick up the save. But, you know, definitely, you know, a couple of those really good plays. I think it was a six inning that we were talking about Stroman, the double play and stuff like that. You just get nervous because you don't want to put that on the bullpen. Here's the thing, Dustin. I looked up the numbers. If the game is tied entering the seventh inning, the Cubs are one and seven. If it's tied entering the eighth, they're one and four. If the if they're tied entering the ninth, they're zero and four. When they're trailing in the ninth, Dustin, they're zero for twenty. Yeah, but those are those are not those are not good numbers at all. No, and so you're you're not winning close games. We've talked about one run games and all of these things and tied games in the seventh, eighth, ninth. The good news, Crawley, is they got to fly the W once again. Really impressed with Stroman. Really impressed with uh, what uh, Leiter Jr. did again pressure situation and he absolutely delivered for david ross and the cubs so the cubs got the uh, first two of the series against the mets we move into game three the good news was kyle hendricks was back and we heard from david ross before the game saying that it felt like a little bit of normalcy because kyle hendricks was now part of the rotation again but things didn't exactly go great for the cubs on uh, thursday night yeah, you know, and, and and there's, I always tell people there's a lot more than just looking at box scores. You got to kind of watch the game and see what happens. You could tell right away from the beginning that Kyle kind of, you know, was a little bit. I don't know if it was amped up or what, but that first inning kind of didn't start out good with a couple walks. That's not characteristic of Kyle Hendricks, and so, you know, he gives up only one run. He gets out of it, and you're thinking to yourself, okay no big deal. This is the Kyle Hendricks we're used to, right? He was able to get out of it and do some weak contact and things were looking really good until he got to the third inning. And once he got to the third inning, I felt like there was a little bit of uh, bad luck and, and some bad defense that kind of affected him here, you know, so that I think was, and, and it was all with two outs, right? And bad luck and bad defense. You're exactly right. But also with two outs. With two outs, yeah. So I think that the Mets did a good job adjusting to what Hendricks was doing. Uh, McNeil singled, Alonzo would single, and then they're going to have a conversation. And then Brett Beatty hits a ball, and I really think that that was a play that Matt Mervis should have made. He thought Nico was going to make it, and the ball gets through, and that's going to put the Mets back up 2-1. And then after that, Starling Marte singles to a ground ball to uh, say a Suzuki. So I would say that, you know, that – that inning right there, that's three runs. You're down now four to one, which is three runs, which to me, Dustin, isn't the end of the world. You know what I mean? To be down three runs, this team's come back from that before. Right. You know? They've come back from that before, but not tonight. Tonight just wasn't tonight just wasn't the offensive offense's night. If you would have told me that Kyle Hendricks going to allow four runs, that would not have blown me away. I would not have been shocked by that at all. 
Um, I no. was impressed. I was impressed with the strikeout numbers that he had. Um, yeah. Walked a couple guys, hit a batter, but uh, th- this is this is a game that was lost by the offense, and the offense hasn't been trending great. We talked about it in game number two. You know, they were fortunate to win that game because Marcus Stroman pitched his ass off. They left a bunch of guys on base. Um, and so this is becoming a problem. But tonight it wasn't even about runners on base other than the Dansby Swanson home run. There's really nothing to talk about offensively. Right. And when you look at the final line, like you said, 4.1 innings, six hits he gave up, five runs, three of them earned, uh, two walks and five Ks. Those walks all came in the first. You know, it it just seemed like one of those games where nothing was right. Because, like, Brandon Hughes came in and – he had runners at first and second. He doesn't check the runners at all. They run on him. That was totally stolen on him. Then Jan tosses it in the outfield. So there's another run right there that was just on, you know, you, you got to hold the runners on better than what Hughes did. And Jan should have known better not to try to force that throw. And right. Then, and oh, overall, that's been one of their trademarks, right? I mean, decent defense has been one of the Cubs' trademarks. And tonight, it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. Right. The play by Mervis, that play by Jan, and then... Poor Michael Rucker was uh, tasked with eating it, man. And, and you could tell how frustrated Rossi was because he did not want to go to Assad. And and I do got to say, Dustin, I was kind of surprised because, and I don't know if this is from something they heard in Iowa, because I talked to you about how Tommy Birch mentioned that from last episode that Assad was inconsistent. But I thought that Assad would piggyback Hendricks. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did too. And, and and to have Michael Rucker came in, he he actually got lit up. 2.2 innings pit, gave up seven hits, five runs, uh, two walks, three Ks. How about the polar bear, Pete Alonzo? You know, just a cub killer. That guy just I, – I, I wonder – it's one of those guys that you wonder if he played at Wrigley, how many home runs would he hit a year? You know what I mean? Right. And he – I mean, and that was a pretty decent pitch. I mean, he just went and got it, right? I mean, it wasn't like it was just a total meatball. He went. It was out of the zone. It was low and away, and he he went and got it. And when he touches the ball, it just goes a long, long way. I'm just gonna tell you that when I, when I'm looking at what what happened with Carlos with Michael Rucker, I mean they were barreling the ball on him. He the exit velocities against a lot of what he was doing were all in the reds. There, 102 miles per hour, 99 miles per hour, 98, 102. I mean it, it's. It just wasn't the greatest outing for him, and that that so all the things that we've talked about that we're concerned about as far as the bullpen and the offense, like you said, one home run that was Dansby Swanson to tie it up in the first, and then only five other hits other than that, you know, and and the strikeouts, I mean, weren't horrible. You had ten strikeouts, you know. Right now, it looks like they left a total of you know nine men on base, zero for four with runners in scoring position. But I mean, they weren't this one. Wasn't even as I mean ten to one. Not I mean not even close. You know what I mean? No, not even close. But hey, the good news is they won two out of three. The other good news is Kyle Hendricks is back. The other good news is there's really no big injuries uh, as far as the everyday players that were that were worried about. And the really good news is Crowley is that it's Memorial Day weekend and the Reds are coming to town. 